0: We are looking to Jesus. He's the one that has drawn us here. He's the one that we talk about every Sunday morning here and every Wednesday night and every other Saturday night. And we are the ones that are called by his name. And so being called by his name, it is natural for us to look to Jesus. That is our motivation as Christians, and we're in uh, message 28, the discipline of the Lord, Hebrews 12:3 to 11. Come on now, you're not going to like this message, but you're going to like it. As I was doing this message, I realized that I had skipped two very important verses several months ago that really belong in this message. And I should have prepped you for that months ago so that you'd know what I'm talking about today. So I'm going to take those two verses and bring them forward for us today. And none of you were quick enough or smart enough to know that I skipped those two important verses. So I think you'll be shocked when you see how important they are. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him, For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Father, we do ask you to teach us and help us to say and do and explain and shed light on this passage that we don't often read, we don't often look at just by naturally turning to this chapter. Teach us, we pray, by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll start with our introduction and to the three points you have not yet resisted. God deals with us as sons. And by the way, it's not just sons, it's daughters. But that was in the context of that society and that uh, people that sons were the ones who inherited, and so they always spoke to the sons. But daughters are included in this, particularly for us in our society, in our generation. But sons and daughters, and the peaceful fruit of righteousness, we'll be talking about that. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. This was a verse that we ended with last time, which was about three weeks ago. And this verse is kind of a pivotal verse by the fact that it changes its movement from the fact that Jesus was the one who had come to reveal who the Father was and that he was the son of the Father. And that in his coming, we are to consider him, to look at him, to be focused on him and not to be focused on ourselves. One of the problems that we have in Christianity is that much of what we embrace in Christian teaching is so self-centered and self-focused. And that is a natural thing for all of us. But if we are disciplined, if we are learning to walk in the Father's way, we see how significant he is to who I am becoming. And that's part of being a son. And so, being a Christian is not about me. Being a Christian is about the Father. And that's where our focus needs to be. Not on us, but on him. And therefore, that's why this is called, out of Hebrews, looking to Jesus. For consider him who has endured hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yes, focusing on him will in fact bring us to the place where we will not be weaklings. We will not be, oh, I'm so tired. Daddy, carry me. I mean, imagine a 30-year-old child walking down the sidewalk of Tokyo. Daddy, I'm tired. Carry me. That's ludicrous. That's laughable. I see it a lot here in Japan. I am pleasantly shocked by the fact that so many dads are carrying the babies these days. Have you noticed that? What's happened to Japan? What happened (laughs) to these Japanese men. I think it is too. I think it is. And it all leads me to believe that the time is getting ripe for Japan to understand who the Father is. Wow, that would be tremendous if the Japanese would understand not kami, but Father God like Katie shared with us. That's what we're praying for, that their eyes would be opened and they would see the blessings that he has poured on this nation. His mercy, his mercy on Japan. Read your history books of Japan. There are significant historical happenings in this nation that show the great and loving mercy of God. In fact, Japan is really an example to the rest of the world of what it means to be a Christian. What? You may ask, what are you talking about? This is the most unchurched, unchristianized nation in the world today. But do you know that a few hundred years ago, this nation would have been considered a Christian nation until they came and cut off the heads of Christians, hung them, killed them, starved them, ran them over. And they thought they wiped out Christianity forever from this nation. And for 200 years in the history of Japan, Christianity was against the law of the land. You know what the five household, Japan was divided into five households. And if there was any Christian discovered in those five households, all of them would be executed because of that Christian. That was in place for years and years. We spent 20 years in Tochigiken. What is Tochigiken famous for? What shrine is the most famous in Tochigiken? The Toshogun Shrine in Nikko. And you see three monkeys at the gate. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. What was the evil? What was the evil? Christianity, Jesus Christ, was the evil. Do not see, do not hear, do not speak. Otherwise, death. That was Japan's history for 200 years. And many died. And I've heard numbers up to 6 million people were killed, martyred, because of their faith. And yet we have the statistics today. The Christian church is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking down to where half the churches in Japan have no pastor. This was a Christian nation. There are very few young men who are standing up and saying, I want to become a pastor. I haven't even started on my message yet, by the way. (laughs) But we need to understand about discipline. I think of one characteristic of the Japanese above all other nations, and I've been to a few nations and known many, many people from different nations. Japan is probably the most disciplined nation in the world. This nation is a very safe nation to live in. But we are just reaping some of the blessings that God has poured on this nation. And I think that it's time that we as Christians begin to identify with the state of the church here in Japan and to understand how difficult it has been for the church to survive these last 400 years. We need to pray for the Church of Japan. We have a Japanese church that meets in this building. We're members with them. And God is bringing our hearts closer and closer together. We're two congregations, but becoming one congregation. And we thank the Lord for that. We love our brothers and sisters. And we thank the Lord for those of you who are Japanese and could and would be welcomed and understood and received in the Japanese church, but you chose because of your English ability and your affinity and your... We love your presence here. You really bring to us identity with this land and this people. And we thank the Lord for that opportunity. Discipline is not a word that we like, but... Where does the word come from or what is the basic meaning behind the word discipline? Disciple. 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 Who used that word? Who really made that word famous? Jesus. Jesus did. That's how he identified those that followed him. Are you a disciple? Are you disciplined? Are you being disciplined? Is discipline a a word you own that you really identify and it's a word that you know exactly how to spell it, you know exactly what it means, and you live your life according to that word? That's what this passage is talking about. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Discipline is about hanging in there, not giving up, not growing weary, coming to a place where you have strengthened yourself both within and without, both emotionally, psychologically, and physically, bodily, you have brought yourself to a place of discipline. There's an interesting verse, verses that I had mentioned already, in Hebrews 5, 8, and 9, that I skipped last Christmas when we were talking about Christmas in Hebrews. It says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience. From the things which he suffered and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Question. It's talking about Jesus. Did Jesus have to learn discipline? Yes. He had to learn obedience. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became, to all those who obey him, the source of eternal salvation. The question is, did Jesus have to learn obedience? Actually, he didn't. He obeyed the Father when he came to earth for the first time, or for the birth, in the manger. And as he grew and he went to the temple at the age of 12, brought by his parents, he was distracted by talking with the leaders in the temple. And the parents in the crowd started to go home and then they realized Jesus wasn't with them. But where did they find him a few days later? In the temple. And he said, Don't you know I should be about my Father's business? Did Jesus really need to learn obedience? At the cross, he said, Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus' whole life was obedience to the Father. He didn't have to learn. But here's how... John Piper helped me to understand this. He didn't have to be made perfect because he was already perfect. He was without sin. So he was perfect. But John Piper says, look at it this way. A young man takes an algebra course. He listens to the teacher and he practices and goes the exercises and then he takes the test. And in the test, he gets 100%. And then they go to the next level in algebra. And again, he goes through the exercises, practices them, and he takes the test and he passes 100%. And he may have done that five times or 10 times through an algebra course. Each one 100%. He knew algebra. He had experienced algebra. When Jesus went to the cross, did he need to experience suffering and having his hands nailed to a cross? Did he have to learn obedience that way? No. But in order to be the perfect Lamb of God, he had to do the course. He had to take the course of what we should have suffered. Jesus suffered for us. But he was perfect. Do you understand? He was made perfect because he went through the whole process of what we have to go through in dealing with our sin. It wasn't just The fact that, oh, well, he paid for me. No, he stood in the place for me. Do you realize how personal that gets? It's not just looking at a cross and a man hanging on the cross. No, that's me. That's the identity that I have with Jesus Christ as the perfect Lamb of God he was perfect he knew how to suffer not my will but yours be done and he died and he fulfilled completely all the expectation of the law that was upon me and upon you so in our affinity with him, our identity with him, we also have learned obedience. That's how we stand as Christians. That's what it means to be a Christian. In basic Christianese, that's what it means. So that we, we can't say, I'm perfect. No. But I have identified with Jesus Christ. And his payment has become my release from what punishment, what my sins have cost. It's been wiped out. I'm free. That is Christianity 101. That is where we stand. And I'm going to close right now and this may be a three-part message but the lord bless you with this understanding let's pray father we thank you that that all discipline is easy there are many things that many of us face even right now in our own lives of walking with you that we're not disciplined yet and we say father continue your work in my heart. Jesus Christ has completed it, but work it into my heart, my soul, for his honor and his glory. We thank you, Father, that we can't pay it. We cannot pay our debt. But we can walk in the whole holiness and the strength and the power of Jesus Christ to be a Christian. Thank you that you made it possible for us and we give you our thanks, our praise, our gratitude. It is our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.